morning's reading is from Ephesians 5, verses 21 to 33, titled Spirit-Guided Relationships, Wives and Husbands. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of of his wife as Christ is head of the church. He is the saviour of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot of wrinkle or of any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and joins his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to invite Helen up to uh, bring us, uh, to speak to us this morning um, on what can be a difficult passage, um, but we're just going to pray for Helen now. So Father, we thank you for Helen. Thank you for the preparation that's gone into the word that you have given her. We pray for her as she, as she speaks, Lord, that your spirit would take those words and speak to each one of us. We pray that you'd open our hearts and minds to hear from you as Helen speaks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. Good morning. And I'd like to start on this Thank You Sunday. So thank you very much, Tim, for giving me this reading. <laughs> It's perhaps one of the most unpopular verses in the Bible, at least as far as us women are concerned. But, you know, seriously, I am really grateful to be able to speak on these verses, not least because in today's society, marriage has been seriously devalued and mocked, corrupted, and now looks anything uh, completely different to how God intended. It's something that I feel passionate about, and I'd love to see marriage restored in our society to be the foundation of family life and community life that God intended. Not that living a married life is easy or straightforward, even if we are trying to follow God's plan for wedded bliss. And I'm sure Brendan would agree with that. (laughs) He's he's shaking his head. (laughs) Yeah, for those of you at home, he said, if you say so, dear. So this morning we're continuing with the book of Ephesians, and last week we looked at how we are to live as Christians, 
And now, this week, we begin to look at how that transformed life, how living in the light translates into individual relationships. Remember that Paul wrote this book, and although it's called Ephesians, it wasn't just written to the church at Ephesus, but probably to a number of churches in the region. But unlike Paul, unlike some of other Paul's other letters, um, it was written to encourage rather to, than to address individual or specific problems in the churches. So we can consider that today's passage is really written to Christians in general, rather than being some sort of marriage guidance for those who are in trouble. So let's have a look at our reading. And we can often get tied up with what wives are supposed to do and what husbands are supposed to do. But perhaps the key verse today is the first verse, and that's verse 21. And it says, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This really is the headline verse for the whole of today's reading, and in fact, the following chapter as well. This isn't just about wives having to submit to their husbands. It's about each of us submitting to each other. So I'd just like you to keep that in mind as we move on to perhaps what are the more tricky verses. Although we might not really love these verses, let's remind ourselves that Paul says in his letter to Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. And just a few verses before today's reading, Paul says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So we do need to take these verses seriously. Why? Is it because God is a misogynist who wants to keep women well and truly under the thumbs of their husbands? Or is it because he wants men to love their bodies above all else and become hunky bodybuilders? No, it's because he created us. He created us male and female, as it says in Genesis 1. He likes what he has done. He truly loves us and wants the very best for us. And he's made marriage to be the foundation of the family and of society in general. This is God's plan. It's a good plan. And it's designed to help us support each other in families, to be the place where children can grow up safely, but also to support members of the wider community. And the Bible has a lot to say about caring for widows and orphans. Now, I just want to say that Paul is generalizing about men and women in this passage, and I'm going to do the same. I'm very aware that what I say won't be the case for every man and woman, every marriage. We know that God made us different, physically and psychologically. But there is a range within those differences. God knows how he has made us. He knows the differences between men and women. And he has tailor-made this passage to address those differences. So let's start with the verse that about half of our society today could find very difficult. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the saviour of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Now I know for some, and including me sometimes, this verse really raises the hackles. What does he mean, I have to submit to my husband in everything? 
When I was a little girl, my brother used to put on my little red swimming costume back to front and pretend to be Mick McManus, who was a famous wrestler of the day. Don't try and picture it. <laughs> and then I would have to be the opponent while he wrestled me to the ground, twisting my arm behind my back, and I'd have to bang on the floor with my free arm and shout, I submit, as loud as I could until he released me. And he wasn't very gentle. Is that what Paul's talking about here? That we need to be browbeaten, to lose every argument, or give in to every whim of our husbands? I don't believe that's what Paul's saying at all. After all, we need to remember that the key verse for today is that we should each submit to one another. So it's mutual submission. So why does Paul seem to pick on women here? Well, ladies, we're very good, aren't we, at organising things? We've had plenty of practice. A day out's been planned. We know how much food to pack and how to keep it cold. How many nappies to take, Tim and Amanda? What time the children will need a nap? Do we need to be home early because it's school the next day? You know, the sort of thing. We're really excellent at it, aren't we? We are consummate multitaskers. And as the title of the TV show says, we are absolutely fabulous. It comes very naturally to many of us. Especially when we have children, we need to be good at this if they're to get to school, swimming or balling classes on time, dates with their friends. And it often becomes the norm that wives and mums become the planners. And we have to admit that often we don't include our husbands in those things. And they need to admit that they are often very happy to leave it to us. And God knows just what we are like. But what this can mean is that the responsibility of ensuring that everyone gets to where they should be at the right time, that everyone is happy on the day out, that everyone attends the right medical appointments, and all the rest that goes on in families falls on the wife and mother. And this isn't just about days out and parenting, but the normal things of life, finances, jobs, home maintenance, holidays... And Paul says that a husband is the head of his wife. The responsibility for the family, for his wife's well-being, rests with him. And while we ladies often take on things which are not ours to take on, I'm afraid to say that often the men are happy to let us and don't always take on the responsibilities which are rightly theirs. So Paul's not picking on women here. He is in some ways relieving them of the burden of responsibility which should belong to the husband. So what might submission to our husbands look like? I once heard it described as being like submitting plans to the council. It's fine to think things through, to be organised, but if we don't submit those plans, offer them up, if you like, to our husbands, then we're not giving them the chance to take on the responsibility. It's a case of saying, what do you think about this? And then perhaps having a discussion. Of course, not everything has to be submitted. There needs to be a balance. And I'm sure, Brendan, you'd get fed up if every time I wanted to do some housework, I asked your permission. We do need to be sensible. And of course, if the couple can't agree, then someone has to make the decision. And perhaps in some cases, it will be the wife, remembering our key verse of submitting to one another. But this should be done in an atmosphere of mutual love and respect. 
And there are a couple of other points we need to clarify before we move on. This passage does not mean that every woman has to submit to every man. This is specifically between husbands and wives. And it does not say that a husband should force his wife to submit. This is the wife's willing act of submission to her husband according to God's will. A commentary I read said this, It is a dignified act of free will taken by a child of the king, an act of respect between equals. Submission is an expression of humility, respect and love. So let's move on to the next tricky bit, that husbands are the head. Again, for many that sounds like wives have to be servants, subjugated to their husbands. But is that what this really means? If we go back to Dean's talk from a couple of weeks ago, we remember that we all have a part to play in the body, that no part is indispensable. And Dean reminded us of 1 Corinthians 12, where it says, So there should be no division in the body, but that its part should have equal concern for each other. Paul may be saying that the husband is the head of the wife, i.e. the one who should take responsibility, but a head is no good at all without a body, and you can just ask Anne Boleyn about that. Every part has its special place, a particular role, but it's absolutely useless without the other bits. And how often do you hear a man who has lost his wife say, I am completely lost without her? When God designed marriage, he... he Pardon me, when God designed marriage, he united a man and a woman into one body, working together and supporting each other. Genesis 2 says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. There is no competition, but mutual love and respect. Let's move on now to the next section of today's reading, the one that focuses on the responsibilities of the husband. In my experience, there's often a sense from this reading that the men have the easy part. We often seem to skim over this passage, picking out that men have to love their bodies. But is this really the easier option? Let's look a bit closer and see what the role of the husband should be, reminding ourselves of what the passage actually says. Just going to read it again. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. So husbands, you are to love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And how exactly does Christ love the church? Let's just look at some of the ways. Well, he gave gifts. And obviously this doesn't mean that he bought the church some flowers from Asda. Jesus gave gifts to the church to encourage, to build up, to pastor, to teach, to guide, and the list just goes on. 
Jesus provides his church, his bride, with things that will support and nourish and build up. And this is how husbands are to treat their wives, ensuring that they can grow spiritually, that they are protected from harm, that they are provided and cared for. When husbands do this for their wives, their wives grow, and they can be an even better wife than before, so that the husband can be proud of his wife, perhaps not without spot or wrinkle or blemish in this life, maybe, but someone who is holy and righteous. As Proverbs 31 says, A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. And what husband wouldn't want a wife like that? But primarily, Jesus gave up his life for his church, for his bride. He sacrificed everything. Us ladies often think that we get the raw deal out of this passage, but let's just stop for a moment and consider what this means. When we look at Jesus on the cross and compare it to our lives following him in our churches, do we still think we get the harder end of the bargain? Our husbands are meant to sacrifice everything for us. And again, the commentary I was reading put it like this. Husbands, put her first. Lay down your life, all your selfish ambition, your self-centered desire and greed, let it die. You live for her first. Watch how Jesus treats his church and do likewise. Now that doesn't really seem like the easy option to me. I don't really know what I can add to that. I'm just going to read it again. Husbands, put her first. Lay down your life, all your selfish ambition, your self-centered desire and greed. Let it die. You live for her first. Watch how Jesus treats his church and do likewise. Paul ends this passage by saying that marriage is a great mystery. And I would want to add to that, you can say that again. Marriage, it's not easy. It takes work, it takes time, and most of all for us Christians, it takes a lot of prayer by those who are married and by those who are not. But when done right, it is a beautiful picture of Jesus' love for his church, his beautiful bride. So that's good advice for those of us who are married. But what about those who are not currently married? What good is this passage for them? As I've said before, marriage is God's plan for the family and for society. It's important, something to be supported and prayed about. And all of us can do that. But what what can those who are not married and those who are do to support marriage? Well, you can definitely pray, perhaps choosing a particular couple in the church and holding their marriage before God. You can support organisations like Care for the Family, either financially or by helping to volunteer at their special marriage evenings or courses. In the past, uh, some years ago here at Christchurch, we've run a couple of marriage courses. Perhaps that's something we could consider for the future. And there's always help needed at that sort of event. But perhaps more personally, we can talk to our married friends. 
So at a lady's breakfast, when someone says that their husband never does anything, perhaps an opportunity to remind them of today's passage. Maybe they need to give their husbands the chance to do something by submitting to them as God would want. At a men's breakfast, when someone says their wife never stops nagging, perhaps an opportunity to remind them of today's passage. Maybe they need to take their responsibility as a husband a bit more seriously, supporting their wife as God would want. At the end of the day, we're in a situation in this country where traditional marriage has never been more under threat. We need to be praying, yes, but we also need to model good marriages, mirroring God's values in our society. Verse 33 sums it up. Husbands love, wives respect. A wife needs to know she is loved, that her husband will sacrifice for her and set her apart. A husband needs to know he is respected, that his wife trusts him and believes in him. And both of those require submission. Amen.